Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, welcome back to Billboard Soul Sisters podcast, where we are recording at the Terminal 5 concert venue in New York for a special backstage conversation with Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast. Dara and I are super stoked to be here because Bethany has become a powerful voice, not just musically, although she is that, but also as someone who can speak out and push back against some of the misogyny and double standards that have become pervasive, not only in the music industry, but in our culture in general. So we'll try to keep it light, but we have some serious shit to talk about too. So let's get to it. Without further ado, Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast. So we are behind the scenes at Terminal 5 with Bethany. Where to begin with you? Well, uh, we came up with the name of a podcast that you and Alexis Krauss are going to host, which is called Bonding in Ghana. Oh, we heard that's what you guys did. <laughs> we did, yeah. And that it was a good time. That's a little bit of a secret time that you can't talk about yet. It's a new, like, it's not like, what's a good band name? It's like, what's a good podcasting name? Yeah, yeah right. Bonding, Bonding in Ghana. In Ghana. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, it was incredible. I mean, it's funny because Alexis and I, that was only the second time that Alexis and I had ever hung out. The first time we hung out, we made a Ford, technically, I guess, commercial together. Uh-huh. Um, and we had we had spoken multiple times, like via email and had even like texted and stuff. And um, I think we met super briefly one time, maybe at a festival. But that so that was like the, the first like, oh, nice to meet you. And then the second was, oh, we're sitting next to each other on a flight to Ghana. Um, that's an intense second hang yeah Yeah. but honestly Alexis is she's so awesome and just like genuinely the nicest human being I've ever met like I always tell her that she makes me feel like such a bad seed because she's just so nice and like always just like smiling and like I was just like you know, I'm kind of like a little bit of a curmudgeon at times. And yeah. so I was just like, oh, but um, I feel like, I wonder if everyone has the friend who makes them feel like the bad seat and then the friend who makes them feel like, the oh, like they're really good. Yeah. 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 I, I probably right? I would imagine like yeah. she probably has someone who is what she is to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. She's like num- probably like number top five nicest people I've ever met for sure Um, and just like a good heart incredibly smart like just when I talk to her I'm a valley girl I say like all the time I I'm like what you know (laughs) and then I'd be talking to her and I'm just like whoa dude okay you're so amazing and just a all-around lovely lovely human being and we you know we were in Ghana working with a lot of women and, um, you know, being two women there working with all these other women that were like close friends and, you know, they were calling up, they were saying like, you're, we consider you our sisters now. And like, it was just a really, like a very, very intensely incredible experience that I know we're both really looking forward to finally being able to really share with the <laughs> world. Cause everyone keeps asking and I'm like, I can't really say anything yet you know but everybody knows we were there because we were both being very um 
you you go to Ghana, you obviously want to. Yeah, like, you're like, I'm not, yeah. even well, if they said I wasn't allowed, I was going to do it anyway. It's know? funny because um, I was trying to book you on this podcast very aggressively because I really wanted you to do it. And your publicist was telling me that you were in Ghana. And I was like, this is the lamest excuse I've ever heard for someone to not come on the show. Like, just say she's not interested. It's fine. And then Alexis and I mentioned it. And I was like, mm, wait a minute. Yeah, that's okay. my go to excuse. Is I'm good. just in. In Ghana. Yeah. Just out of office. I'm yeah. in Ghana. No, so um, was definitely there for real. She um, described the connection with you. I mean, she described, speaks of you so highly and said, like, before you guys even had the opportunity to meet, which, you know, you'd, of course, known about each other and been admirers of each other from afar, but that when she was thinking about who to connect with to do this project that we're not quite sure yet what it's going to be, but that you were at the top of her mind. Like, of course, like you do work with women, you, you know, you are an outspoken feminist and you care about things. And yeah. so that was like an obvious choice and yeah. meant Which is to cool be to that meet. that's your reputation. Right. Yeah. Did you, like, did you feel peers. that? Did you understand? Like, do you know that? I mean, I guess now, now <laughs> things are different. <laughs> I mean, but. I feel like, Especially over the last several, I would say over probably within the the span of a year, but especially since the beginning of 2016, I've just done so many things where I am speaking up for women and and talking a lot about my own girlhood and and really just, you know, I've gotten older, obviously, like that's what happens, but it's like I've gotten older. (laughs) I'm lucky. I have become... um, wiser I feel like I've become more confident which has in turn allowed me to really like kind of just grow into sort of myself a bit more and then I think that that allows me to just be more outspoken not just as a human being but particularly as a woman Mm -hmm. um so I yeah over the last several months it's just been a lot of really incredible female figures saying to me like you're doing amazing stuff for women and I'm like am I you know and so I feel like at the end of the day I I'm like you know what I'm I'm trying to raise my voice as loudly as I can so to garnish that reaction especially from my peers especially from people that I look up to people that I consider to be doing incredible things um is a very humbling feeling so um yeah and it probably like a new sensation that will inform things going forward if it's kind of a new place to settle into that then yeah. I mean, you have this new album out so it's like the next phase mm-hmm. will be informed by this new feeling that's like yeah very cool. for sure I think that you know I I've always been very outspoken I've always believed in being yourself and not being afraid to just you know especially in situations where if you're feeling threatened or just uncomfortable by the way someone's making you feel, um, you know, I've always believed in just speaking up for yourself. But I think over the last, you know, the course of the last year or so, I've really gotten to a point now where it's like, I don't put up with anything. Like the yeah. dudes in my band and crew can tell you that 100%. I just am Was like, there a tipping point no. that you remember? Or this is just um, cumulative? I mean, I think it's just probably the amount of stuff I've seen or experienced or heard um, just kind of being in this industry for now almost six years Um, and also just being I'm I'm turning 30 this year I think that kind of like makes me feel a bit like I am like I don't know it's like I maybe take myself more seriously than I used to so I think that kind of allowed me to feel this sense of like I'm just if I'm see something or hear something or feel something, I'm just going to speak up about it. And, you know, to know that that is, um, allowing other women, especially ones that don't necessarily have a voice to either come forward or feel that they are, you know, like to feel like they're supported. It just makes me feel really good. And I'm very proud of myself in that way because I definitely used to sort of just be like, you know, not particularly with women, with women's issues, but just kind of with life in general, I used to sort of just be like, whatever. And now I'm like, no, (laughs) I just, maybe I just have had enough, you know? Totally. So, well, you write one hell of a Lenny letter. I'll tell you. you. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to get too deep, too fast with you about this stuff. (laughs) We could go deep and then take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about it? Of course. Because it was, 
insane. It blew my mind. Um, like I was trying to go through it yesterday to pick out which parts of it I wanted to talk to you about. And I just was copy and pasting each single paragraph that you wrote because it you. contains multitudes. Um, so I guess my first question is, did they approach you and ask you to write something or did you go to them? How did it happen? Um, so I just got an email one day from my manager and um, had, you know, he had asked if I had heard of the Lenny letter, if I was familiar. I said, of course, you know, um, and he said, well, they're interested in they're looking for women and they're interested specifically in you to to partner with them to write a piece. And I actually went to school here in New York only for one and a half semesters, but I did go still um, to school for creative and nonfiction nonfiction essay writing. Okay. So I, so you're not intimidated by that. Yeah, proposal. I mean, I, I've had to write many an essay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sort of like, okay, this is a really cool opportunity. And when I spoke to Jessica, who is the editor of Lenny Letter, um, we had a quick kind of phone conversation before the end of last year and she sort of said you know if there's anything particular you'd like to talk about about being a woman in the music industry um we'd love to hear your story she kind of gave me a like imaginary deadline and um I just kind of you know started thinking and then got really busy towards the end of the year I moved it was just like a lot was going on so So this was before Amber Kaufman. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically what happened is like, I already had plenty to talk about because let's be real. There is a lot of messed up stuff that's going on, not just in this industry, but in, you know, the world. But it's a good mirror to everything else that's happening. So, you know, I had written, um, the first draft of the essay and had sent it to Jessica and, you know, had like been really thinking about it and, you know, when I first when I wrote the first draft, it was it was very kind of all over the place. And my best friend, who actually is a Ph.D. student at the University of Santa Cruz in feminist studies, she works with Angela Davis. She's one of the most incredible women I've ever met in my entire life. Um, she her name is also Jessica. She kind of helped me really formulate it and, and really get a cohesive thesis. And she is so supportive of what I do. And, and so, so what um, would you say that thesis was for you? For me, out? it was really just to sort of say like, why is this being like, this is being tolerated and that's not cool, you know? Cause it really is to, you know, there were, I kind of went all over the board with it where I started with like internet comments and yeah. how that happens mm-hmm. And then um, speaking about reviews, um, you okay. know, can I just review. like read a couple of sure. lines? To elaborate <laughs> on what you're, I came with my homework done. Um, you said comment sections can be rampant with hurtful and sexist critiques about appearance and identity and that you had not read your comments for a while, but then you did start to. I mean, it's and, not even that like I'm intentionally reading them. Yeah, it's just that they're there. So if I post something on Instagram or if I post something on Twitter or if I look at a video of us on YouTube or whatever, it's like it's there and you don't have to go searching through it. A lot of times it's just you see the last comment and that last comment can say like fat whore and you're just like, whoa, intense, not nice, not cool. And, you know, I think that like for me, it was really um the beginning of Best Coast's career um, was extremely hard for me because all anybody commented on was the way I looked, my weight, um, the way I dressed. It was like right never, out of the gate. Yeah, it was that. And then it was this girl needs to shut up because all she does is complain about boys. And that for me was just like, because male musicians don't talk about girls exactly because no man has ever written a song about a girl i mean i quoted the beatles in my (laughs) essay because it's just like did anybody ever say like oh god the beatles are just such whiners it's like no no i don't think anybody said that you know and if they did it was not public it definitely wasn't in a written review of their record or a live show Mm -hmm. um you know but there was one instance in particular where we did a show in San Francisco and there was an article that was written and it was a it was a review of our show and it was basically like the opening paragraph 
goes on to explain exactly what I was wearing, um, how, you know, which is fine. You can, I mean, let's, let's get real. Like David Bowie, you know, someone like David Bowie, um, pretty much couldn't do anything without people talking about what he was wearing. Which is an extreme example, but yeah, of course, of course, but it's like, but it's 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 one side of this. I'm, I'm fully aware that it's like, you know, people will comment on stuff like that, but this was in a totally different way where Mm -hmm. it was like, um, and it was a male writer. And he said that I was sexier than ever. And that everyone in the audience was like jaws to the ground. But then it goes on to say that, the show sounded really good and we played really well, but, but it was boring because I didn't smile and I looked pissed and I looked like I didn't want to be there. And the only comments about Bob or any of the other men in my band were just that, you know, they stared at the ground, um, you know, but there was nothing like, well, Bob Bruno didn't smile. It was just (laughs) Bethany didn't smile once. Which, number one, is not true. I, sm- I have a huge mouth and a huge smile. <laughs> I feel like when it happens, you know right. that it happens. And number two, what does it matter? Um, I just started noticing a lot of stuff after California Nights came out, after we started touring. A lot of comments that were just, you know, even directly at me on Twitter, like, why do you look so pissed? Why? Oh, I'm so bummed that I paid money to go to your show and then you didn't even smile once. It's like what does that have anything to do with my performance? Did you enjoy the show? If the you the did, logic then... is not there because oh, yeah. you're supposed to stand there and look grateful that, I mean, that you're standing on a stage. Yeah. I don't, I don't not perform. I don't know that the thing to me is that it's just like, I basically just, you know, as I said before, it's like I got older, I got more confident, I yeah. became a bit more serious. Mm-hmm. So in between songs, I don't feel the need to stop and giggle awkwardly and make witty banter like I used to. It's like now it's a bit more fluid. We go from song to song. Yeah, I'll stop in between a couple of songs and say thank you so much for being here, you know, with a smile on my face. <laughs> um, and to me, it was just like I felt that people should have accepted that and said, I'm really happy to see this woman that started out and was kind of like a bit and was very vocal about being uncomfortable and not feeling awkward um, to just see that I've really like, like matured. And that to me was like what it was. But everybody, because I'm a woman, kept saying that I was a bitch or I didn't want to be there. And nobody said anything about the men on stage. And if they did, it was like, Bob Bruno looked so cool in his metal shirt with his hair like flowing in the wind and like slaying on guitar. And so I basically just got to a point where I was like, why is this happening? And that's kind of why I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to write this letter and just call all these people out (laughs) yeah have you been finding similar reactions from like fans i mean there's there's a difference between you know critics or people haters and have to review or but and then people who actually follow you and appreciate you and like have you had support from those people or have you found they're similarly like being thrown off by this new whatever you want to call it maturity and sense of self i mean it's it it's a bit of both. Even your own fans are like, because they're your fans, they feel like they own you in this way. That's kind of really creepy. And I am 100% at the end of the day so grateful for my fans. I would not be able to do what I do without them. Um, however, there is a line that I think isn't necessarily visual for some of these fans. And I think a lot of it might have to do with age and just sort of like the the generation that they've grown up in with the internet and just feeling like you can say whatever you want and it doesn't matter. But yeah, I mean, there were people that were saying, you know, tweeting at me or commenting on Instagram or whatever it is, like, I'm so disappointed in your show because you never once made eye contact with the crowd. You didn't seem like you wanted to be there. However, Bob was, you know, like Bob is the, the only professional. That was a comment. And I started commenting back because it was really frustrating for me. And I wrote a note on my iPhone one tour last year where I basically just said, like, listen, I've been seeing a lot of remarks from critics and fans that people are confused about my stage presence and I just want to say you know parentheses I shouldn't have to say this 
but I'm going to. I just want to say that I'm not pissed. I'm not in a bad mood. I don't not want to be here. I'm just taking myself a bit more seriously. And as my fans, I would really respect or I would really appreciate your respect and support with that. And then, of course, there were a lot of people that came back and said, oh, I'm really sorry. And that's the funniest thing to me. If you comment back to someone, it's instantly like, I didn't mean it. That's what I, I didn't know. Mean. I have heard stories like that. It's just where like, it's like, like a troll even. If you, exactly. like, if you call them out, they're like, oh, my bad. Like, exactly. I love you. Yeah. Right. That, for the so most funny. part of that. Those fickle trolls. Every yeah. once in a while, gotta love the trolls. Just <laughs> got to love them. Every once in a while, you'll get someone that'll like want to keep going with you and just be like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. This is why you suck now or whatever. Um, and will you do that will you do a back and forth with someone like that not, I mean depends on what it is yeah. I try to really kind of like edit myself as far I mean I see stuff and think like oh god I wish I could just respond to that but I also don't want to be one of those people that's like constantly addressing the haters because that's essentially what they want and so I really only do it if it's something that either feels like a personal attack or something that I'm like I don't want this kind of energy even on my page and um, one thing that's really makes me feel really happy and kind of like a proud mom is sometimes mm-hmm. if I ever post things about, you know, my support of Planned Parenthood or work I'm doing with them and somebody comes in and comments some like absurd, just ignorant thing, um, I notice that like a lot of my fans will go to that person and say, you know, this is why Planned Parenthood is important. And Bethany is not a bad person because she supports them. And then they get into these little like fights. Proud and so mom. I like see that and That's I'm like, nice. that makes me feel so happy that there is, awesome. you know, you're and facilitating then, like, people, that conversation. I know. Yeah. So that makes me feel good because I'm like, okay, cool. My fans are sort of like fighting with me and for me. So yeah, very that, cool. that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, you also wrote that the Bethany that we see in the media and on social media and whatever, that that is the real you, which is interesting because I would almost think to keep your own sanity, you would need to have some kind of public facing version of yourself to kind of keep yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that like, obviously the person that I am, on social media and the person that I am on stage is super reflective of who I am. Um, But I definitely feel that there are, there are times and kind of like what I was saying earlier, where I feel like in a way your fans think because they like get to see you be yourself on social media, they think automatically that you're friends. So I'll have people come up to me sometimes after shows or out in public and you know it like last night it was freezing cold after our show in philly and there were some kids that wanted to take pictures after the show and i gracefully was like sure of course you are standing out here in the cold but then it becomes a thing where it's like oh can we take five more and if i say like oh you know like i'm just i just worked for (laughs) you know and i but i try to be really like patient and there are a couple of times where i'll just sort of like go into this zone where it's like, all right, this is my job. These people uh, like provide me with everything that I have. And so I'll kind of like turn on the the nice switch a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where sometimes the, the mean switch gets turned on too. Cause not everybody is like, it's not easy to be that patient all yeah. the time, but I do feel like, um, for me, I can't be fake. I hate phonies. There's nothing I hate more than a phony. So I can be quote unquote on at times but it's not like I'm I'm not like inventing a different persona it's just sort of the more like bumped up kind of version of Bethany whereas my friends and family will probably say like that's very much how she is but at times it's just a little bit of a like you know lower not as many like hey you know but just more like hey Right. And Which then people can hold against you sometimes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you didn't say that, hey, with a smile or right, any inflection right. of happiness. You must be on your period right. or something. Or like, <laughs> I don't feel like you're flirting with me, which is yeah. a lot of what that's about, probably. It's just, I don't know, man. It is so frustrating. Yeah. Did you feel better when you wrote that essay? I did, honestly. Yeah. I, well, to be to be completely honest with you, so kind of to get back what you were asking, I wrote the first draft um, before Amber sent out her tweets. And for those that don't know the situation, basically there is a publicist um, or a now defunct publicist um, whose name is Heathcliff. And 
there were just a ton of women in the music industry that had their own individual stories about him and his absolutely not okay, inappropriate behavior. Um, some stories are worse than others. I had my own personal story. Um, and when I saw that Amber Kaufman of Dirty Projectors kind of just went on this Twitter rant about him and a situation that she had experienced with him, I saw it and I thought, you know what? I've known about this for too long and it's time for me to support this woman and say something. And I didn't know that it would really turn into what it did. I remember going to bed that night because it was late and I remember thinking like, Oh, it's bad. It's bad social media hours. People, maybe they won't see it. And then I woke up and it was like my phone had like exploded and there were all these people reaching out like, oh my God. And I was like, oh wow. Okay. And that was huge because all these women after that started coming forward. It was a stories. crazy domino It was effect. insane. Yeah. And then like by later that day, he had stepped down as the- CEO of the company and now the company doesn't even exist anymore. Wow. So just... Yeah. Taking them down. It's a crazy example of the good ways social media can be used. Yeah. And, you know, that feeling of like, I don't know if I want to complain because it's my thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably not just your thing. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was going to ask before because you've been confronted so personally and intimately with, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly of social media. And so I was, wanted to say to you, like, it, if you could have an opinion it's it's an unfair question because of course it's like it's it's a two-sided coin but you know is it good is it not good if if you if we were magically in a world where that didn't exist anymore or if you could be a musician you know 20 years ago is there a feeling but I think something like this Mm -hmm. is such an important incredible thing that we have yeah that that's gotta like outweigh all of the stuff and Mm -hmm. that you have to sort of figure out a way around it because that's just such an incredible yeah I mean there are days where I am like I wish the internet would explode and go away forever and then there are days like that day or the day that my Lenny letter came out where I'm like overwhelmed by how huge of a tool the internet and social media can be, um, especially for issues such as sexism and, um, you know, getting the word out about women's rights and gender equality and all of the things that I am very preachy about, um, you know, and not even preachy. I, I, I'm just adamant about Give, like just speaking about yeah, it and raising like one of awareness yeah exactly <laughs> you know? well the reason I said that is because somebody tweeted at me a couple of weeks ago and was like mom you're you've been real preachy lately but I still love you and like I was just like okay what? it's funny how when you tweeted a famous person <laughs> You don't feel like they are a real person that's going to see yeah, it. You exactly. don't feel like they read it, let alone can quote it like right. weeks later. Yeah. That's why when you respond, for the most part, it's usually like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then it's funny because like, there's a couple times where I've said something and then I'll click on the person's like page and it's like their last 16 tweets are about like oh my god bethany dragged me it's like all this new terminology that i don't Wait, what does understand. that mean yeah. i guess that means you called them out oh, okay. i'm not sure it's like being called mom and dragging someone are two things i've learned over i didn't the even last, know about like, mom yeah mom is like what your fans call you now i guess if Whoa. you're um, like bird and yeah I don't, it's, it's like, weird but like happening? yeah so i mean to get back to what you were asking i do think that it there are there are ways that you can sort of navigate it. And I think that for me, I try to, you know, present my my authentic self um, via social media because there are times where like, I mean, I have really bad social anxiety. I'm not very good at like if there's a huge group of people and I'm like inside of it, I am sort of claustrophobic and I'm like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that to me is why social media was so powerful in the beginning because I was like, oh, people can see who I am. They can feel like they know me. On my time. Exactly. But I don't have to necessarily be like in front of all of these people or like sitting individually and like talking to everybody um, while I'm like sweating and like getting stressed out and anxious. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, it it is good in that way. And then at the same time, it's, you know, it's good to to use for raising awareness um, for issues like this. I mean, if Twitter didn't exist, I I don't know that the story 
um, with Heathcliff would have would have gone down the way that it did. Right. Um, which is both scary and also like a thing that makes me feel like, okay, well, at least we have this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just use it for good. Yeah. And there's yeah. also a total, I mean, there's a lot of good we can say. I mean, there's an artfulness to it that I think is part of a, a band or an artist's like thing now is mm-hmm. that's incorporated. Yeah. Is what kind of posts are you cultivating? What do you show to your fans? And um, But it kind of makes everyone their own publicist. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, mean yeah, yeah, kind of. If you, if you choose to. Yeah. 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 And I mean, the way that you guys broke out was this like crazy internet buzz. I mean, that's what, mm-hmm. and from reading about you guys not remembering it from the actual time but that it was like this like breakout buzz because of just things that were written and then it must have been I mean how did you experience that or do we want to take it yeah, back no, further let's, no, let's <laughs> take it wherever you want to take it I mean at that time it was crazy because at the time I was young I had started the band kind of without really thinking like that it was going to go as far as it did. Um, you what know, year was this that we're talking about? 2009, okay. I believe, um, which is insane to me when I think about. I'm just like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> is this like um, when you put out your first EP? Yeah, basically. Like when we just, so we started by just putting out singles, like okay. doing seven inches. Um, Bob and I had a lot of friends that were doing their own DIY labels and they would say, well, we want to put out 500 copies of this limited first press of two songs and so we we started that way and then um we we did one song called when i'm with you and it was with a label called black iris which then actually provided us a studio and a producer to make our first record um but we did this song when i'm with you and when that came out it just sort of exploded and that was really when it was like whoa okay I guess this is like a thing now and then what does that mean so how does it explode what is honestly I don't even know it was just like the song came out it you know it was on pitchfork it was on like rolling stone spin was that through Um, a publicist like how did that go down I mean I the band had already cultivated like a, a lot of like buzz and there were already you know which is weird because I just this is back when MySpace was still right. the way that you put your songs up. <laughs> so I just made a MySpace, put the songs up there. Um, you know, they just started to like every day I would see like the plays would go higher. The the amount of friends would get bigger. I was just sort of like, whoa, okay. And then, I mean, we did have a publicist at the time that we were working with that definitely like was doing his job and was working to get stuff for us. But as good of a publicist as you are, you can't really force people to like something. You can really push it and put it in their face a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people will respond well to it. They might just say like, okay, I'm so sick of seeing this thing. But the reaction to that was huge. And it was like, you know, I think Pitchfork gave it like best new track or whatever. And at that time to me, I was like, that was like winning a Grammy. I was like, this is the biggest thing that could ever happen to me. I was living in this apartment. I was selling clothes on eBay. You were in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like just to go a little bit further back mm -hmm. for a moment, you were in a band before that. That was really going places. And you left at a time when you were about to tour with Sonic Youth, if I'm not mistaken. We had played a couple of shows with Sonic Youth. Um, This is Pocahontas. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we had we had played a couple of shows with Sonic Youth and we had put out a tape on Thurston Moore's um, label. And we were we had a lot of like in that scene of sort of like experimental kind of droney music. We had a lot of like very like influential fans that were very um, into what we were doing. But I just wasn't really like I, I I moved here to New York to go to school first of all and I just was like I'm not going to continue doing a band that I'm not super passionate about um it was just fun did and you then, think you would eventually go back to music and this I mean, was just a pause yeah I've always I've, I've played music since I was a little kid I was raised by a musician and a incredibly artistic 
um my my mom is who I'm speaking about. She's not a musician, but like she's a lover of music and is just a genuinely like creative, amazing woman. Um, and so I was raised by my parents who, you know, were always supportive of the, the things that I wanted to do in a creative field. So I always kind of figured that I would end up doing music as a career or not even necessarily as a career. I just thought maybe I'll be in another band or I'll just do music until I die. But I don't know exactly where it'll go. Yeah. And you um, started playing guitar as a kid too? I did, yeah, when I was a teenager. My dad bought me my first guitar when I was 13 and I started taking guitar lessons. Um, and yeah, I mean, so so basically, yes. Like when I moved to New York, it was kind of a pause. I wanted to focus on school. I was sort of like out here doing a different thing and thought, you know, when and if I feel like I'm ready to do music again, it'll happen. And then, you know, Best Coast kind of just happened. (laughs) People ask me all the time. Best things in life, too. It really is. I I do feel like genuinely blessed because I feel like being becoming successful almost by mistake or just kind of by coincidence um, is is kind of a very, very special thing. And, And, you know, I think that like there are some people that will sort of like discredit me and say like, well, she just got lucky. It's like, no, I work incredibly hard. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I am talented. But it probably helps you feel even more grateful about it. Yeah, it does. Of course, of course. course. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's like I am friends with so many musicians, um, both male and female, that are really trying to make a career out of it or at least pay some of their bills with it or just yeah do it full time yeah. and there are a lot of them that are not getting to where they would like to be and mm-hmm. so I do definitely think to myself like I really have to just be grateful for what I have and I am you know I think that there but are also situations be like I did this yeah of course <laughs> it could be both of those things of at course. the same time of yeah. course yeah I mean yeah. Anytime I see anything that's just like sort of discrediting me or calling me like a slacker or whatever, I just think, you know, occasionally I'll respond. But those are the things that like I read and just roll my eyes so far back into my head that like they're stuck for life. Because it's just like if you only knew how hard I work, it's insane. I didn't even know I was capable of working this hard, honestly. Yeah. Like I used to quit every job I ever had by either not showing up or just like I used to have my mom call like places and say like and I'm an only child so I would say like mom I can't do it and she'd be like no you have to and I'd be like please just call for me like which is embarrassing to think about now but it's like I've overcome that you you know I was I've never been like mom can you please call my booking agent and tell him (laughs) I can't do this next tour it's like I haven't had now you have Bob to do that (laughs) yeah I mean it's like this this job especially touring it's hard man it's like you you are constantly doing things and I get frustrated sometimes and I'm like god I just need a nap but I am no longer like that type of person that would even consider like canceling things I've gone days and days with no sleep before and done things and done them well and that's why when people say that stupid stuff I think back to myself like okay remember when you like didn't show up to Hot Topic (laughs) on New Year's Eve because you didn't want to work work at Hot Topic I did that's amazing I did I fully did Hot Topic in Burbank oh that's so great yeah but also slacker like you don't owe anything to anybody this whole thing only exists because you made it exist (laughs) it's like it just doesn't make sense when you think about it Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, what was I just going to ask you? I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, um, yeah. No, I, I Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about your sound a little bit, because I saw you at Brian Wilson Fest last year. Oh, cool. Which was an awesome show. And you, I remember you performed Don't Worry Baby, uh-huh. right, with Al Jardine, mm-hmm. which was crazy. Yes. Um, do you draw a direct line from Beach Boys to Best Coast, as I feel like one could easily make an argument to do? Were you listening to them coming up? Like, what, what what's the connection for you personally with Beach Boys? Well, um, I mean, the Beach Boys were a band that was always being played in my house when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, being from California, I feel like they're they're really the definitive like California band um, with that California sound. And so when I was living here in New York and was going to school, especially when it became winter and I was like schlepping back and forth between school and my apartment with all of my stuff in the cold, like being a girl from California. By the way, is that why you moved back so quickly? Kind of. It's a common story. It really is. I like, like I, I just like pieced out. Like, no, the mid. struggle is real for really Californians is. who come out Your here for school. Your blood is not prepared for it. It's just, it was intense. But I, I would, I started listening to like the Beach Boys basically all the time. <laughs> and Happy. it's because it would make me just happy, but would also just sort of like, sonically it just sounds like sunshine it sounds and whenever people say that to me about best coast i'm like okay what does that even sound like but then it's like i understand what they're saying because i hear that when i listen to the beach boys um and so when i started the band or when i even like kind of conjured up the idea of the band i wrote bob a message on facebook and said um i want to start a band that's basically like the beach boys and cocteau twins which Uh I don't know that the Cocteau Twins thing really made it in, although it is like a band that I listen to all the time. And Uh Elizabeth Frazier is one of my favorite vocalists ever of all time. Um, But it was very much like in the beginning, we would really like we would sit with certain Beach Boys records or we would watch like Beach Boys documentaries or just like videos to really get inspiration. So honestly, getting to be a part of the the brian fest or the best fest and having it be around brian wilson and getting to sing don't worry baby with al jardine was like mind-blowing like i was internally freaking out yeah it was they duetted and it was beautiful it was very cool yeah (laughs) and then you did fleetwood mac fest i did not you didn't you didn't do that one okay no i was asked to do it which was an honor but yeah i think they put i was already out on tour or i was like already booked to to start the tour and so I wasn't able okay. to be a part of it. Okay. But I like to consider my um like shower singing Fleetwood Mac sessions to be my own Fleetwood Mac <laughs> <Exactly>. fest. <laughs> I curate my own in my in my shower or closet when I'm like getting ready listening to Fleetwood Mac on my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like the newest album is moving towards a new sound for you. Did you feel that way making it? Um, I mean, I'm sure you feel like every album is moving towards some new place, yeah. but this one feels particularly, I don't know, it's a little harder, it's a little more adult. A little less lo-fi, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, all those things. I mean, I think that kind of, again, with even with like the stage presence thing and the confidence levels, over time I've really grown to, um, I've come out of my shell and I've really like f- figured out like who I am in a lot of aspects and I think that like part of making this record was um in my mind it was like you know what I'm gonna make the record I want to make I'm not gonna make a record that I think critics or fans or business people are gonna want to hear I'm just gonna make the record that feels the most organically evolved for myself 
And I had the discussion with Bob. We both said that, you know, we were not going to limit ourselves as far as influences went. Um, Because I think in the past, we always sort of felt like, and I think it was a bit self-imposed, but we did feel like there was like this box around us of boundaries of where we could go with influences. It felt like if we did something that didn't somewhat have a Beach Boise kind of vibe to it that people would say well this isn't best coast how much was that like label imposed or or fan like I think it was like partially a bit fan or critic imposed but I think the majority of it was really like a self-imposed limitation that we we felt like this is what we are yeah and that was probably a reaction to the fact that like every article about us was like surf pop you know had like the beach in it i mean the band's name is best coast it's like we felt like we couldn't really like deter from that but i think that with this record it was just like we are going to just go to all these different places and um it came very organically i didn't really ever once feel like I was forcing myself to go in a different direction or to make something that sounded a bit more, um, you know, the, the way that it, that it sounds. I never felt like I was like forcing that. It very much felt like it was coming naturally. And that is really the way that I can only operate doing anything. I hate, like I said, I hate phonies. This is my number one least favorite like characteristic of people so or how I was growing up in LA <laughs> feeling that way <laughs> I mean that's a whole other thing yeah. and kind of a topic that I sort of like inspired the record a bit too you know it's like I I wanted to really like um sort of sort of touch base on the notion that like Los Angeles is this place that people see as being picturesque and sunny and everyone's beautiful and has perfect hair and like is a supermodel or is an actor or an actress. Um, and, you know, underneath it all, it's not like that. And I think that that's sort of the way that you could perceive Best Coast as well is people hear Best Coast right off the bat and they think, oh, this is so like sunny and upbeat and fun and happy. But lyrically, it's a little bit grittier, a little bit darker, a little bit like what the hell is going on with my feelings and emotion and the world in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, that was kind of like the dichotomy of that was something that I was really, really interested in exploring yeah. was like California light and dark, best coast light and dark. How can I sort of like entwine these things together? Cool. Right. Um, and so you're not just uh, like imprisoned by the name of your band and the history of your band, but you are genuinely inspired by coming up there and that yeah. being your home base. Yeah, I mean, I I do all of my writing at home. Like yeah. I can't I can't write on tour not because I'm not inspired, mostly because I really like to write alone and just sort of like in my own space. I like to be able to like make weird sounds and like horrible like you know, like not tune my guitar and just do whatever I want and not have to worry about somebody being like, oof, what is she doing in that room? You know, and on tour, it's, you know, as we experienced earlier, finding a place where it's quiet can be difficult. Yeah. And a place where it's private um, can be equally as difficult. So I do all of my writing at home. But aside from the fact of like wanting to kind of be comfortable and and having it be private, um, there really is this sort of just like, vibe that California and Los Angeles exudes that I really feed off of. And it's the fact that like I can wake up and be hungover or have a migraine or just sort of be like, I'm just not feeling it and open the curtains. And it's like, Oh, there's the (laughs) mountains and the palm trees and it's so sunny and it's February. And I'm like looking on the news or on Mm -hmm. Instagram or whatever. And it's like blizzarding in other places. And so I'm like, you know what? I got to like give props to this place. That and used to stress me out about LA though, because if well, I was hung over yeah. and it was that beautiful oh, outside, then I would you, feel like, like feel a bad. piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Then the you're, yeah. yeah I, I get that. Or like, it's too bright. You're like, Oh my God, you're, <laughs> yeah, like a vampire. you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I just, there's also something to me that's really amazing about being able to go 
20 minutes in one direction and be at the beach 20 minutes in another direction mountains like i love that i can go hiking and like be so far away i am are you a runyon girl i'm not actually i i prefer to do the ones that are a bit more like there's not like a real of people. Yeah. I mean, that's a, no, that's I know. Like, Look, it was a good workout at Runyon. It but, is. But it's also to me, like it's just like paved I and feel like social. it's also a bit like you want to like to be seen. It's totally. like, I got these new Lululemon pants that <laughs> yeah. I like want to try take out. My Insta exactly. Yeah. It's like, Oh, TMZ's maybe like hiding behind that rock. <laughs> yeah. That's not my vibe. Like I like to be kind of away from everything. Um, but I do love that I can do that. Yeah. And then, you know, an hour later, be in downtown LA and mm-hmm. be like involved in Los Angeles as a like metropolitan city and feel like, okay, I'm around all of this like nightlife. Not that I even really do that. But it's I, there if you want it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I love about it. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's there. And I, I see that in a lot of other places, you know, obviously like New York is a place like that too. You can always go upstate. You can go mm-hmm. to New Jersey. You can, it's you can. It's harder to leave though. But yeah, it is. That's what we were talking about. Everybody feels so pressured by their life and their things that are happening. That's just the idea of like hopping on a train or like taking yeah. a car, like an hour outside. Yeah. And then like, you leave Ugh. and you're like, what am I missing? Well, when I lived right. here, I felt, I always felt guilty for not going out because everybody yeah. was always like, yeah, come do this thing. I was like, no, and or that's where you see people. Yeah. It's like, or come to this thing. It starts at 2 AM. I'm like, yeah, uh, no, I'm asleep by that time. Or I'm like, she was I've, trying to get me to come to something oh, really? that started at like 1130 the other night. And I was Honestly, like, yeah. like if somebody's like we have dinner reservations or like a friend's birthday like uh meet there at 8 30 i'm like that's too late like, i need <laughs> Who to... Waits to eat that long yeah you know um but so i think that um yeah basically just having that having that option um i also think that la is so big and spread out that like nobody really gives you a hard time if you're like i'm not gonna come to the art oh, show yeah. they're like i get it everyone's like I get it. You live further away from things than we do. No one's mad at yeah. me, you know? So uh, I get away with just, being a bit more of a homebody there yeah. than I ever did here. Are you East side or West side? Um, I actually not to just, get too specific about your life, but it's a thing in LA. Yeah. I'm wondering, I, like, do you live by the beach or I'm, are you like, no, the cool, I'm, a, I'm an East cool side. Eastsider. I'm an East sider. Yeah. I've always lived on the East side. I grew up in, um, La Crescenta, which uh-huh. is above Glendale. Um, I grew up like having a lot of friends that were from the West side and going to the West side. I lived on the West side for a bit. It's a whole different ballpark out there. And it's just not for me. I mean, I have to go there all the time for work stuff. Like if I have to have a meeting in Santa Monica, I like plan my entire day around being in Santa Monica, having lunch in Santa Monica, going shopping in Santa Monica, leaving Santa Monica after traffic. You know, it's intense. It's like, it's it's pretty intense, but um, so best coast songs are not being written by you sitting on the beach no. watching the sunset over the water. <laughs> no, they're more like being written with me, maybe like having the TV on mute with the Food Network on it, and like blaring sun coming in, and that's those are the kind of California vibes you're getting. Yeah, like heirloom tomato sun vibes is right. what you're getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So then you write lyrics. Do you put like a track down and then how do you share it with with Bob? Bob? Um, I usually will just like demo something um, by using GarageBand. I'll just kind of come up with something. Um, I'll start with like a guitar melody, just very simple power chords, like back and forth kind of vibe. Um, and then I'll just really, for the most part, start singing over that and then start recording it and then I'll start layering it. Um, I'll add harmony. I'll add every once in a while. I add like a high guitar part, which I then kind of want Bob's lead guitar part to sort of mimic. Um, And then occasionally like I'll even add like hand claps or anything like sort of percussive. Um, And then I put an email, put it in an email and then I kind of formulate almost like a blueprint for him and just say like, Hey, I just wrote this song. Um, it's got like a sort of like Ronettes meets the cars vibe. I want the drums to be louder in this part. I'm thinking a crunchy bass. I, I get very like detailed and I always joke that he and I have a secret language because if I wrote that to anybody else, they might be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, like be a totally different thing. You know, if you, with. if you say to somebody, I want this to sound like the go-go's meets 
uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like some of the weirder like. I mean, even Ronettes meets the cars. Yeah, I'm that's like, pretty. That's but Bob cool. gets that. He's yeah. like uh, he he understands. And that and must so, have been really cool to realize that that was a like a click. For yeah, you too. Yeah, and that's really why he and I bonded in the first place. Uh, when we met over 10 years ago was the fact that like we were both our our musical like tastes just were I like to say it's like it's kind of like bipolar it's just like up and down and up and down and you know it's like I'm into to the weirdest stuff like people and I don't believe in guilty pleasures like at all people will say like we shouldn't use the word guilty no, it's like if you like something, you should like it. Yeah. And I, I, I was actually in I'm a meeting today. Nice. Yeah. I was in a meeting today and I said something. I don't even remember what it was about, but I said something liking something in pop culture. And the woman said, that's what I love about you is you you're not too cool for stuff. It's like, I don't care. Like I if I again, like if I like it, I just am going to back it and I'm going to say I like that when we were making our record, we were referencing Sugar Ray. And I was like, I'm not afraid to say that. And then Mark McGrath like tweeted at me and was like, thanks for the shout out in Rolling Stone. And I was like, hell yeah, 12 year old Bethany's dreams just came true (laughs) by not having guilty pleasures at this age in life. That is, I like that. Yeah. Never think you're too cool for Sugar Ray because you're not. Does that mean, does that imply like kind of no judgment on any no, like qualitative judgment on pop culture things. No, I mean, it's definitely like... Because that's, I think, where guilty pleasure comes in, where it's like, this is not... Good. Like, objectively, I can say that this is kind of not worth my time. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, going to engage in it. There's like, definitely... The Bachelor. Yeah. What? The Bachelor? Like the Bachelor. I've, bachelor. I've never watched The Bachelor, but I feel like I should, because I think that... I want to have an opinion about it. I think that, where I you're mean, getting, like, I'm about to tell you, it's okay for you to be into The Bachelor. But, but, okay, and because I can justify why I'm into it and why I'm, like, fascinated by it and compelled. Does it make you feel safer to call it a guilty pleasure? I think it makes me feel safe. I think it makes me feel justified and, like, I know that this is not something that's worthy of, like, an intellectual brain. But it's a pleasure just the but same. It's a, and that's why it's, like, there's something, like, cozy about saying yeah. that. But I appreciate the idea of, like, you like it, you like it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's worth in that inherently, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that, I mean, I, okay, so I'm obsessed with trash reality television. Like, I love okay, it. Okay, see, that's the same. Yeah, I think same. in a way, I like it so much because it's mindless. I don't have to think about it. I can watch the Kardashians and watch Kim Kardashian freak out at her sister about not being in her video game. <laughs> and like, and put I it on mute and like, start writing. Exactly. And then I could just think like, oh, wow. You know, and in a there are times where I will watch stuff like reality TV and think like, Oh my God, the world is like so doomed or like whatever. But it's like, you know, none of that shit is real. And and exactly. You need, makes you feel relaxed. You need a dose of that or whatever it does. I mean, you're not, you're not doing harm to the world by watching real housewives of Beverly Hills every Tuesday or whatever day it's on. It's like, I'm not doing, I'm not like, hurting anybody. Some people there would are say you are because then you're perpetual then like yeah, by I mean, consuming it blah blah blah. Yeah like, I understand. I just think that that's a little too right. it's a little too like if you really want to get that like in depth with it then I'm no, I would I would just suggest like go find something more important to be that analytical about. Yes. I mean that show is not affecting Bethany's life in the way that that TV can maybe be detrimental to society if you want to make that argument. Right. I would suggest. Of course. Yes. 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 Agreed. And like I said, I think it's just sort of like I um I watch but the other thing too is it's like none of that stuff is like reality, you know? Right, it's yeah, like totally. we know you, what entertainment is now. And and again like even that even though it's not reality you're right like some of the the roles especially like in gender that they sort of project and say like this is the way that it's supposed to be um you know that's not cool but one thing i will say about the real housewives of beverly hills and any of those kinds of shows is there are a lot of women on those shows that are independent and are you know married to rich men but are still running their own businesses and doing all these things and so they are showing that demographic of of people that are sort of like gravitate to that show in a way where they're like i take this super seriously they are showing like hey look not everybody is just a stay-at-home mom and does this 
Um, not that there's anything wrong with, with that at all. I think it's just like, it's showing the larger population of the world that, you know, you can still, you can be referred to as a real housewife, but still kick ass and like be, you know, totally like independent doing your own thing and putting your kids to sleep at night. So in a way I like him looking at it like where I'm like, all right. That's the feminist defense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that seems like a good note to end yeah, on. Yeah, well, I, except for yes. one other thing. We talked um, as we were parting with Alexis today about the idea about oh, part, partying or partying? Part, parting. Parting. Yes. I thought I like said a, partying, too. Like well, party. hopefully that'll I was like, I missed bit. that. No one <laughs> texted me. Yeah. Um, no, about possibly a renaissance or re- revamping of a, of a women's... Music fair type of thing. Yeah. Festival. Oh. And how cool that could If be. you guys go in that direction, we yeah. stand behind yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, I think that now is a time more so than ever, or at least not more so than ever, but I, I retract that statement. Um, now is a time, at least for me and what I'm doing, um, where it feels like it's more important for me now to be using my voice and my celebrity or whatever you want to call it um, in a way to bring awareness and, and sort of like really like use my voice for good. Um, It really feels like now is, is the time because it does feel like we're grabbing a lot of people's attention. So there are a lot of projects and a lot of things that I am kind of working on or thinking about where I'm thinking like, okay, how can I do this to sort of like tie back into all of this like good stuff that I'm doing as far as being um, a woman in the industry with a voice. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and one of the, one of the coolest things about becoming so close with Alexis and really getting to know her is that we, we, we very much like understand one another in a way where I could say to her, like, I have this crazy idea for like this thing. And she would be like, that's, that's really cool. And then not ever talk to her about it or not talk to her about it again for like months and then come back and say, Hey, remember that thing I was talking to you about? And she's like, yeah, totally. You know, which is cool. Cause I think that as a creative person, you have a lot of ideas that pop in and out of your head and it's kind of hard to harness them. Yeah. So it's good to have her. Do you guys have of, a Google Doc that you share? No, we should though. We really should. We write each other coming. really. We write each other really long emails, and she's actually one of the only people I talk to on the phone, besides oh, like my manager. Yeah. yeah, she like I've I've had like legit phone conversations with her. Like I've called her from my landline, so we're very Whoa. serious. And I only have a landline because I live in the mountains, and you need one. So you need that reception. Because I feel like people are probably like, "Why do you have a landline? <laughs> What's a landline? Yeah, what? Yeah, it's like a rotary phone." <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that that um, this is this. I think for me is really the the beginning of the yeah. amount of stuff that I want to do around being a woman in the industry. So if you're sick of it, you should go hide because there's way more to come. Way more to come. Yeah. When are you turning 30? What month? November. All right. I got some time. Yeah. You got some time. It's going to be a great but year. Yeah. Turning 30 felt good. I'm excited. I'm yeah. not, I'm not worried at all. You seem ready. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm at this point. I'm like, I'm, if I'm nearer to an age where it's socially acceptable or whatever to like put on my sweatpants at 5 p.m. <laughs> and have a white wine spritzer and like go to sleep early, um, I'm fully, hey, fully man, just hey, going to go with Every that. Every year it's going to get more and more acceptable it's to do that. It's seriously just so like life if, is looking if good. no one is pressuring me to go take a million shots at a bar. Right. How like, do you like to roll like on tour and like at shows? Do you like to sort of get get back in your I'm I'm, yeah I'm I'm pretty chill I I tend to be like very much on the chill side there is always a couple of nights on tour where I will go out and like go a little hard and then wake up the next day the other thing is the closer the older you get the worse your hangovers are so you're just like this sucks I don't ever want to feel like this again and then it's like a lingering thing longer time yeah it's like two days go by and you're like oh my god I'm depressed (laughs) like I just depressed I think my liver is done exactly so um but yeah I'm like post-show I'll like 
have a couple of drinks, just kind of like chill. And then for the most part, I'm like, where's a TV? Yep. Where are the sweatpants? It's the best. It's my life. It's like, great. My favorite thing in life. Bethany, um, just like yeah. us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, lady. Really Thank appreciate you. it. So have much. fun tonight. Thank you. And, can't uh, wait for the show. Yeah. No smiling. Yeah. None. You <laughs> won't no, see no a fun. single smile. Serious affair. No. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.